In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. Today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, hence the name. Pente comes from the Greek for 50. So the 50th day after Easter, the Holy Spirit turns up. The disciples receive the Holy Spirit, even though the gospel maybe messes with that timeline a little bit. We're not going to go there today, but I'm happy to have that chat. If you were paying attention and you said, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense, good on you. However, in the rest of the text, we have this same idea of it being 50 days after Easter. The disciples have been waiting and waiting and waiting. They've been told that the advocate is coming, right? We've heard that over the, last, the course of the last couple of weeks. They're expecting that someone is coming, but they don't quite know who or what. And the stories that we have about the coming of the Holy Spirit are all sort of interesting, aren't they? Especially the one that we heard first today that John read. It's, it's almost a little confusing and surprising and they're, they're sort of interesting stories about the Spirit coming. And I, I think part of that is because we, too, sort of wonder about the Holy Spirit. There's so many things about our faith that are mysterious, right, that are, that are intangible, that we can't quite pin down, that don't, you know, we can't wrap it up in a neat little bow. But the Holy Spirit, I think, by far, especially for us as Episcopalians, traditionally, stereotypically, this is something that we don't talk about all that often, we don't interact with all that often, and if you ask the average Episcopalian to explain to you what the Holy Spirit is, I think they might struggle a little. So if you're sitting there saying, yeah, I think I would struggle, that's okay. Welcome. I think most of us feel that way. So as we work our way very shortly through what we hear about the Spirit today, I'm going to ask you to just sort of keep three questions in mind, okay? Three questions for you. You can hold on to them today. You can hold on to them all week if you'd like. They're very simple. The first one is this. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you personally know the Holy Spirit? Related to that, have you had an experience of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel like you have had an interaction, a confrontation, a conversation, and third, what gifts has she given to you? So do you know the Holy Spirit? Have you had an experience of her? And what gifts has she given to you? Notice that's not, did she give you a gift? Because my friends, she did. The question is, what gifts, plural, has she given to you? Now, if you are sitting there and having some doubt creep in, some cynicism, some skepticism, saying, yeah, okay, Marissa, those are nice questions, but I'm not going to answer them. If you have doubt about whether the Spirit is with you, if you have doubt about whether or not you are good enough to have received her, if you have doubt about whether or not she is a part of your life, if you've had an experience of her that you feel like you talked yourself out of, because I feel like we do that all the time, right? We have these experiences of the divine, of the transcendent, and then with time and distance, our rational brains sort of tell us, that couldn't have been what that was. That was just a coincidence. I must have been wrong about it. I must have been reading too much into that. Whatever the doubt or sort of skepticism that's creeping into your bones right now, just push it away. 
suspend it just for the next hour or so. Just bear with me and suspend it, even if it's just for the next hour or so. The word that I kept coming back to this week as I was thinking about Pentecost um, was the word confounding. Not confusing so much as confounding. And if you look that up in the, in, in the dictionary, um, and of course I went on the internet because I don't have a big book in my office, um, the definition is both confusing and surprising. Confusing and surprising. And I think actually that's a really good summary of the first lesson that we heard today. In the gospel, we have this, this story that almost sounds, it probably wasn't, but it almost sounds kind of calm, right, about the coming of the Holy Spirit. It sort of almost comes in through the window, right, and, and it just feels very sort of tame. Not so in the lesson that we heard from Acts. In Acts, this scene sounds unruly, and it's so loud and unruly that people are coming from the street, and they're standing outside, and they're trying to hear what's going on because they can hear this rushing and this loud sort of, collection of languages. It sounds unruly and, and hopefully sort of joyful and certainly very chaotic and confusing. And I heard a couple of you chuckle when we got to Peter's defense of the moment, and that's okay. The first priest that I, that I worked for when I was first ordained used to joke, this was his favorite joke. We would hear this text at Pentecost every year and he would make the same joke about Peter's defense. I'm not gonna make the joke, but you can get there by yourselves, I think, right? Peter is defensive of what's going on. He's worried that people are gonna look at this and, and see Christians as frivolous and silly and drunk. He's worried that it looks bad. <laughs> and so he says, surely not. This is the gift of the Spirit. This is the empowering of the Spirit. She's come and offered gifts. This is not what you think it is. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. The Holy Spirit shows up in this text to give the disciples actual tools, in this case, language, language for people in places they've never been, so that they can go and tell God's story, so that they can share God's message in a way that only each one of them can do. They're given different gifts, right? We heard that in the epistle as well, that everybody gets a different gift, different languages, different abilities, different discernment, different wisdom, different knowledge. And they're sent out then to share God's message in a way that only they can. We also hear in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that all of our gifts everything that we have, perhaps even especially the gift of our faith, comes from the Holy Spirit. So our ability to confess Jesus as Lord is a gift of the Spirit. The Spirit then allows us to know God and to encounter Jesus. And when you think about it that way, all of the things that we believe and all of the ways that we interact then are sort of facilitated by the Holy Spirit. That's a big job. You could say that it's the fluttering in our hearts, right? The still small voice inside your head that urges you on toward compassion and goodness and kindness. Perhaps we know the presence of the Spirit when we experience awe and wonder, when we think we're in the presence of God, maybe especially when we feel like we're connected to something that is bigger than we are. I think often the Spirit is what 
allows us to be better than our human instincts, right? It's what makes us into something set apart by God, what invites us into God's work and into eternal life. Scripture tells us consistently that she is the very life and breath we have. Breath is equally as present in Scripture as a, as a symbol and an image of the Holy Spirit as fire. The two of them, very, very present in Scripture, right? And, and fire, we think of as being powerful and transformative and maybe even a little bit dangerous, but breath, there is no life without that. And so the Spirit has given us these good gifts, right? A life to live, love to give, a place at the table, a part to play in the story, in the work, in the mission of God. A specific piece of that work, a specific piece of that puzzle. It's as if she has written a message on your heart, given you a piece of the truth that is only yours to share a piece of the good news that only you can share. Just like the disciples each got a special language and a special gift so that they could share just their piece of the puzzle, their piece of the work, so too is that true for you. At your baptism, when you received the Holy Spirit, you were given the same call, the same vocation, to spend the rest of your life and your journey in faith figuring out how to share the message and the work that God has given you. And so I ask you, what is that message? What hope do you feel? We've been talking about that for the last two weeks since we heard the gospel about how you should always be prepared to offer up a defense of the hope that is within you. What hope do you feel? What truth do you know? What is it that your faith gives you? What are you convinced of? What good news do you wish other people would hear and would take in about Jesus. What good news do you have to share? Today we're gonna do something a little bit different here at the end of the sermon, because every once in a while it's nice to do something a little different, isn't it? You should have all gotten one of these in your bulletin. It's been suggested to me that what I should do is make you walk around with them above your heads, like the story in the text. I'm happy to do that if you'd like. We could, we could tape them on. Steve, that looked good. That was, that was good. But what I'd really like you to do is think about that message, that message that God has given you, the, the piece of the truth that is just yours, the good news that maybe you are still too quiet or still too afraid to share out loud. Whatever it is, the hope that is within you, the good news that you carry, the truth you wish the rest of the world would know, what I want you to do is actually write it down on this. Now, if you don't have a pen or a pencil, there are golf pencils and Sharpies on that table back there, and if you feel compelled, there are even extra flames. So if you have more than one message, God bless you, please write two of them. I'll be happy to have them. We're gonna take a minute or two now, and I'm gonna give you a minute or two to do that. If this feels uncomfortable to you, welcome. We're trying something new. And then at the offertory, when the plate comes around with our usher, I'm gonna ask you to just gently put it in the plate and pass it forward to the altar. You don't need to write your name on it. I don't need to know who wrote what. This can be a completely anonymous process. 
But remember, remember that that message, this fire that we're talking about, that we receive today, that we remember that the disciples received today, it's meant to change the world. It's not a small thing. It's not a quiet thing. It's something that called the disciples together, and it's something that called a crowd from outside. And eventually, it's the Holy Spirit that would allow this story to be passed down from generation to generation all across the world to Christians just like you who would learn to love and give and offer kindness and compassion and thereby slowly but surely change the world in the name of Jesus Christ. This too is our vocation, to be as present as that image of, of breath, to be as hopeful as we offer other people that life, but also to remember the incredible power and privilege that we are given as children of God. The incredible ability that we have been given to change the world. Fire, remember, is fast and powerful and transformative. And this is what God says that you have been given. So we're gonna take a minute or two now, and I'm gonna invite you just quietly, again, completely anonymously, if you'd like, to write something that you believe is true on that piece of paper. If you're joining us online, you can put it in the comments on Facebook. You can also send me an email. And if you feel like you're really missing out on our fire paper, I would be glad to save some for you or send you some. Just let me know. What truth do you have to share what hope do you wish people knew? What little piece of God's work is just for you? Amen. <laughs>